Hello, I'm Danny Malenkov. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today, we begin a new series of studies on the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is known as the gospel prophet of the Old Testament. His deep and insightful book details God's actions to bring a rebellious people back to himself. As we will see, God offers both warnings and hope. On our panel today, we have my two good friends, Stephen Groom and Andrew Russell. Welcome to Let God Speak. Thanks, Danny. Good to be here. (laughs) Today, we are going to be taking a look at the book of Isaiah. We're beginning this exciting journey in the book of Isaiah. But before we do that and before we open the Bible, and if you have one handy, I want to encourage you to prepare to open it so you can study this wonderful book with us. We're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to bless our time together. So let's just pause and pray for one moment. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessings of your word. We ask and pray now humbly that as we open your word, that you will open our hearts and our minds that we may be ready to receive what the Spirit has to say to each and every one of us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I pointed out, we are starting uh, our, our new series at the beginning of this new quarter, studying through the book of Isaiah. And today we're going to be journeying through the first chapter of Isaiah. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to pull it out right now so that you can follow along with us. Well, Isaiah is a wonderful book. It's a a book filled with messages of hope, Mm -hmm. but it's also a book filled with great challenges. Yes. And so today we want to begin by going right to the very outset of that book, Isaiah chapter one and verses one and two. So I'm going to begin and I'd encourage you to join me as we as we journey through this chapter together. Isaiah chapter one, verse one, the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Wow. What a way to begin. Firstly, Stephen, I'll begin with you, and I hope that you can unpack for, for our viewers a little more on the significance of Isaiah, but as well, if you could also share with us the, the message of Isaiah and, um, and what would you like to share? Just on verse two, where it says, O heavens and give ear, O earth. Now, this is strong covenantal language. Mm. He's calling for witnesses here, two witnesses. Um, I'd like to go to another example in Deuteronomy. Sure. Chapter four and verse 26, where Uh, Moses also says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day and you shall soon utterly perish from off the land where so you go over Jordan to possess. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. So here we see in both cases, it's used in negative language. It's a figurative speech because really these are lifeless objects. Heavens and earth can't witness to everyone. But in reality, it's God and the angels who bear witness to what we do. 
So it's a wake up to the people of Israel to repent and come back to God. Mm. And, and the name Isaiah. Oh, the name Isaiah. What does that mean? Yes, of course. Isaiah means Yah at the end. Isaiah means, is short for Yahweh and it means uh, Yahweh is salvation. Very close to the, to the word um, Jesus, which is a name for Jesus, which is God saves. So this is God is or Yah is salvation. So is it fair to conclude, Andrew, that this is a book filled with salvation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it does give us that condition. It, it, it's quite a strong introduction, isn't it? Mm. Um, it really addresses the fact that um, the children of Israel have rebelled against me, as Stephen just read. And, um, and, and then it goes into a, a, we find God lamenting over mm. this condition. Yeah. You know? Do you want to read verse three, Andrew? Yeah, let's read verse three together. Okay, it says the ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people doth not consider. Um, and so here uh, God is kind of saying, you know, well, the ox, you know, or the cow knows his owner, um, but Israel, they don't, um, they don't know me. They don't consider me. Um, they're in a state of rebellion. Um, it's, it really highlights it for us in verse four as well. If we read verse four together, sure. it says here, our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away. What? Backwards. Backward. They've gone backwards. They're not going forward anymore. Um, they're actually going backwards. And, and really, they've forsaken the Lord. That's really what's taking place here. So God here, right from the very outset, he, he jumps in. And he shares with uh, the children of Judah exactly what their situation is. So there's no beating around the bush. No, right in there. God cuts to the chase through Isaiah. And so, so what, what takes place next? It's a very negative situation, isn't it? Um, condition they're in. And as we continue in verses five and six, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of your foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Now notice at the beginning, mm. why should you be stricken anymore? So it, it sounds like the stricken or the, um, how would you call it? The uh, attack from God is a good thing. Well, it is. Um, disciplining is a good thing in its, it determines to set you straight. But God is saying there's no reason to discipline you anymore. It's like a child. You, while there's hope, you discipline them. But when they fully set against goodness, there's no point. God leaves them to be destroyed where wow. there's no hope. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty sad and sorry picture as we take a look. Is there any hope, Andrew? I mean, is there any hope based on, based on the description we have here in verses five and six, as we have read, it seems like the situation's almost hopeless. Is there any hope? It does. Look, it does seem like it's a, a truly hopeless situation that God is dealing with here. Um, and it really gives us a picture of just how grievous uh, sin and rebellion really is in, in, in the sight of God. Mm. But in verse 9, it, it gives us a picture that not everyone has, uh, has fallen, into this, uh, fallen in this condition. So verse 9, it says, Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Gomorrah. Mm. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were destroyed. They were destroyed. And so 
um, Isaiah is, is recognizing the condition here as revealed through the Lord. But he's saying also that because of a small remnant, in other words, and, and, a, and a small remnant is usually just, uh, you know, the, the, the faithful few, the one that's the, those that continue to to have faith and to obey the Lord. And because of them, God is actually suffering very long with his people. Mm. He's willing to suffer long with the condition of Israel because of a faithful few. And uh, and look, a lot of people don't realize that this is something that's very applicable for the church even today, um, that God suffers long because of the faithful few. And this is a good um, theme throughout the Bible because God has always had a remnant. It's all through the Bible, isn't it? And especially in the last days, we read about the remnant of her seed in Revelation 12, who keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's right. Mm. And so for the sake of of them, he will put up with a corrupt nation. And it's true, as you pointed out, there have always been a remnant. Uh, Right from the beginning of time, you have Noah and his family who are a remnant. And it's interesting because Jesus in Matthew 24, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man when Jesus comes. So when Jesus comes once again, there will be a remnant. There will be a remnant. There was a remnant with his first coming. Paul tells us that. That's right. And so what's relevant for us is, is that we want to be on the remnant who is faithful to God and not be like the majority who is not. Uh, touching on the, the, re, um, the reference to Sodom and Gomorrah, these were two towns of several that were destroyed by God in Genesis 13, I believe, for being desperately wicked. They'd been given over to evil and there was no reason that God, like Judah spoken here, would, um, should be disciplined any, more, any longer. So referring Sodom and Gomorrah to to um, Judah, then he's saying that they're also past the boundary of, mm. of um, what would you call it, of God's patience and ready to be destroyed, except for the remnant there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting, as we, as we continue um, in verse 10, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 here, uh, Isaiah continues to, to warn God's people, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, why this second reference, Stephen, to Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, yeah, it, it, it seems to be no hope for them, but God is still calling them in this. He's appealing to them. And notice that uh, what's associated to their evil is the law of God. Mm. So some way they have departed from the law of God, which is a transcript of God's character. And he's calling them back to keep the law, which mm. is, is his character, isn't it? It is indeed. And he's actually referencing, you know, it's quite interesting because it's really God's drawn a contrast now between the remnant and, and, and these people that have rebelled. And in that text, it actually says um, that uh, you rulers of Sodom, right? He talks to them as you rulers of Sodom, give unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And he actually references them as people of Sodom, you yes. know, as people of Gomorrah, even the leaders. And so it's like, you, you know, you can be in the church, but you may not be in the church. Mm. It's, big, it's shocking language, isn't it? It, it is. It's shocking language. Yeah, that's right. And as we continue to read, uh, we discover that God, God has an issue. God has a problem with his people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to pick up on what that problem is in the very next verse there. In uh, verse 11, if you'd like to read that, Andrew, sure. and then we can unpack what the problem is is that God has with his people. Yeah. So verse 11 says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? What's the purpose of those sacrifices? Mm. 
Um, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. And it really seems like, you know, God is just fed up with the sacrifices. Right. And if you could read verse 13, uh, that continues. Yes. Thank you. Verse 13 says, bring no more vain oblations. Incense, Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Um, This is strange. It could be a question mark to some people because it wasn't a God who instituted the festivals and Mm. and the temple services. So the question could come, why is God in abhorrence to that which he he put in in place in the first place? And I believe that these institutions of the feasts and and the services was meant to be a teaching device to bring them back to God, to teach them about the sanctity of the law of God. And so when people partake of um, services, temple services, without uh, separate from having a relationship with Jesus, Mm. it's an abhorrence to God. And I believe this is what this people were doing. And it was the same problem in Jesus' time. Jesus also uh, said that their people were doing the same thing. Mm. So it was hypocrisy. And Jesus does not want that sort of ritual service without a relationship with him. It has no value, isn't it? No. Whatever, whatever we bring to God, if our hearts are not surrendered to him, it really has no value. It loses yeah. its value. And uh, that's what's taking place here. And it's, uh, it says it's iniquity, you know, um, these things, these celebrations, even it's in verse, end of verse 30, it says it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. So it's like everything becomes defiled mm. when the heart is not with God. And that could be the same with our church service today. Unless we have a relationship with Jesus in our daily life, the, these rituals we go through and are not really um, good. Mm, absolutely. Now, we want to we want to skip down to verse 16 and uh, verse 17 here as we continue. And this is what God invites his people to do. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. So now uh, God here comes with a solution of of how to deal with their hypocrisy. Mm. Yes. And it's interesting that when you go through the Old Testament, you discover that God has a very special place in his heart for the widows for the fatherless, for the fatherless, for the oppressed and for the sojourner or, or for the immigrant, we would say today. Yeah. Um, for those that are the downtrodden of society. Mm-hmm. Now, how important is justice and mercy and compassion with, with claiming to be a follower of God? Mm. Well, it's very important. I mean, God, God is calling them back to basically repentance, isn't he? He's mm. saying, stop doing it. Um, put away the evil of your doings before my eyes, cease to do evil, and, and also to, um, to care for the poor and needy, as you were saying. And so Jesus had the, a similar problem in the people in his days. I'd like to turn to that yeah. in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew verses chapter 23. 23 and 28. And he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. and have a, but have admitted the weightier matters of the law, 
judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not leave the other undone. We skip down to verse 28. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So our religion should come from a pureness inside, which is a relationship with Jesus and, and uh, a, a cleansed heart. And this will come out in, in pure religion outwardly. Yeah. Mm, powerful. It's really tied to verse 15, actually. I know we didn't read that one, but if you look at verse 15 just quickly, it says, When you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. So that was Isaiah 1, verse 15, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and when you, when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. And that's when he goes into, um, you know, um, judgment and relieving the oppressed and judge the fathers. Because really, th- these, these were God's covenant people. And they were set to be a light to the Gentiles. Mm. They were set to, to be a blessing, right? To yeah. bring the knowledge of salvation. But what's happening? They're failing to, they're, they're walking in darkness and they're not the light. And, and as a result, people are perishing in sin. Mm. And this is how they have blood on their hands. Mm. So and is, this is how people are suffering. Yeah. So it, what you're saying, is it possible to have an outward form of religion, um, which you think is the real thing? Oh, it seems absolutely. like they were having here without having that intimate relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. And I believe that when we have that intimate relationship with the Lord, the fruits will follow naturally. Mm. And there will be uh, a union between our verbal, uh, our verbal profession and how we live our lives. And I think the two really need to go hand in hand. And that's really important. Oh, that's part of the message of Isaiah, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, when it comes to how God wants to bless his people, the solution that he has for them, I think verse 18 and verse 18 of Isaiah chapter one is uh, is a well-known scripture mm-hmm. and we cannot bypass uh, this this scripture without reading it. So, Andrew, would you like to read verse 18? Sure, Danny. It says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. So what's God doing? God is still He's still calling. He's willing to show mercy. Mm. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to extend salvation in spite of the condition of Israel at this point. Absolutely. And the red like crimson, um, white as wool. Stephen, what's that in reference to? That's very strong language. I mean, um, the wages of sin is death. So ultimately, if you keep sinning, you're going to die and there's blood and that. But also it could be, and, and the reference to the wool, could be reference to the sanctuary message. Mm. You know, they for for those who felt they had sinned, they brought a lamb which was slain. They cut the throat and they brought the sin into the the the, the blood into the sanctuary. Mm. So salvation is based upon the blood of the lamb, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. So That's here right. we have the blood, and so Jesus is drawing them into what the Savior will do for them, and He will save them if they would just look to the cross and be saved. Mm. So salvation comes through the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin, from all sin, as first John chapter one, verse nine says. And then we receive that white robe of Jesus Christ righteousness. This this reminds me of that born again experience, that new heart experience that Jeremiah 
in the very next book speaks of. And I think that's a wonderful passage for us to look at that new hard experience that comes from being redeemed, being set free by Jesus from our burden of sin. That's right. And if one of you have uh, Jeremiah yes. chapter 31, verses 31, 33 and 34, I think it'd be really yeah, that's uh, worth relevant, reading. Isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so God is really calling, calling them to have that inward spiritual religion that they're missing at this mm. time, not just the outward. Absolutely. Um, looking at this uh, new hard experience, Jeremiah says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the old covenant. And then I'll skip down to verse 33. But this shall be the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be to my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest of them, said the Lord. For I'll forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. Mm. So Jesus is calling them, isn't he? To, it's, religion is not a, a reformation of behavior, but it's a total experience and a heart transplant that Jesus will give to them if we just ask him. Pray and ask him. He will give us a new heart. And that, that's acceptable to the Lord, isn't yeah. it? This is what Paul quotes from in the book of Hebrews, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 8, when he talks about the new covenant. And it's really a recovenanting with, with, with people. Also, because chapter God's 9. Mercy he extends. quotes again in chapter 9. So yeah. he quotes it twice. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So the new heart experience is really synonymous with the new covenant experience. And, and notice that the new covenant. The new birth experience. Yeah. And, and the new covenant is not just the New Testament. It's right back here. The since the days of old, yeah. That's mm. right. It's well, always been there. It's always been God's plan, yeah. hasn't it? Yes. Now, is the new heart forced upon us? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. There's a choice. And if we go back to Isaiah chapter 1, and as we continue, continue reading from verse 19, so we were there in verse 18 earlier on. Mm. If you want to read verse 19 and 20, here we have the choice that is before us, before each person, whether we are willing to receive that new heart experience or not. Yeah. So, Andrew, maybe this time you could read verses 19 and 20. Sure. It says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So this is what you're saying, you know, does God force? No. There's a choice given here, isn't that right? Um, the choice is to return to the Lord, um, to be, you know, to, to know his love, accept his mercy, and through that be willing and obedient, and his blessings will follow. Mm. Or to forfeit those blessings. And when you forfeit the blessings of God's protection, the blessings of God's, uh, you know, um, deliverance as well, and, and everything else he promises, then uh, they, are, they are facing the reality that the enemy may come then and has even the right to come in and overtake them and overtake that land and overtake them as a people. And we see that this has, this has been fulfilled in the scriptures in, in the life of God's people. And God always makes it very clear, you know, this is what will happen if you obey me. And this is what happens if you cease to accept me as your saviour. Deuteronomy 28 is a perfect example of that. Yeah. The blessings and the cursings. I guess it's like any parent. I was just thinking um, <laughs> of that. You a took parent, the words out of my mouth. Any? A parent sets forth before their child or their children. Uh, right. If you do this, we're going to have a great time together. Yeah. If not, well, you will suffer the consequences, sadly. And that was from the very beginning of time. That's right. Uh, where God placed two trees in the garden, he said. 
If you ate from this tree, you will continue to live forever. If you ate from this tree, sadly, you, your life will come to an end and you will surely die. And so we have this choice all the way through up until you know, John 3, 16. For That's God right. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that mm -hmm. whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's one option. Or, but instead have eternal, eternal life, life yeah. through Jesus Christ. So they have always been the two options for the human race. Absolutely. Perfect parenting. <laughs> God's the perfect parent. <laughs> well, I, I'm certainly not there, but um, <laughs> we, we, can certainly, we can certainly learn regarding this choice that we have. Now, as we, as we seek to, to land in just a little bit, we want to take a look at how does, how does God feel uh, about about this situation of of choice and this situation of the new heart experience and the covenant, Stephen, um, do you want to sort of unpack for us? Is there is there a take home message that we can take from what we've been looking at today? Uh, most definitely, I believe God is calling each one of us here, as He was calling Judah back in Isaiah's time, to take a personal covenant and relationship with God very seriously. It's most important. The way, not only in the big things of life, but the, our, the way we live daily and our faithfulness to God, not just in the large things, but in the small things of life does matter. Mm. And these being faithful in the small things will help us to be faithful in the bigger things of life. Mm. Now, Andrew, if I turn my attention to you, uh, how serious is this message for each and every person like yeah. God here in the very outset, first chapter, he just lays it all out as it is. How serious ought we to take this? Yeah, well, it is a life and death message. You know, um, we're either we're either look, Christ made a way for us to come back to our creator. Mm. You know, what he did was his reconciling act. And we are to if we don't find ourselves in right relationship with our creator, well, we're just saying we, don't, we really don't want to participate in anything that God does. Mm. And, uh, and so the wages of sin is death. Um, but then more than that, also God's people who do come to him in terms of our journey with him. Um, you know, we are to be the light, aren't we? We are to be the light to the world. We are to bring the, the good news of salvation to others. Otherwise, we have blood on our hands as well. Mm. And so it, it is very much a life and death message, but God bids us have life through Christ. And, and also, I think it's important. I mean, God, the, the book does start off very harsh in, in laying out how they were sinning and how their condition was um, before God. But it's very important that the people knew where they stood before God, because sometimes we can be deceived in thinking we're right with God and we're not. Mm. So God makes it very clear what is wrong in each instance. Thank you, Steve. That is so true. Andrew, over to you for a closing thought. Well, the verse uh, that uh, comes to mind as we reflect upon what we've learned today is um, 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Yeah, Some amen. men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come, come to repentance. repentance. Amen. What more could God do than point us to Jesus where we can find the gift of uh, repentance and forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. That's a wonderful way to conclude. God gave the best heaven had when he gave Jesus to our fallen race. What more could he have done? Think of the joy then that God has when someone accepts the gift of salvation. We can only respond with gratitude today. We hope this program was a blessing to you. You can watch it again or any previous program on our website, 
3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers can download the notes or you can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. I just want to thank you so much for joining us this week on Let God Speak. Please join us again next time. Until then, God bless and stay close to Jesus. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.